Welcome to the podcast, the destination for insightful discussions and interviews on the appreciation, conservation, and husbandry of reptiles with a focus on turtles and tortoises. Now, let's join our team of turtle nerds. Woo! Welcome everyone to another exciting episode of the podcast. This is podcast episode 96. We are here and for your viewing pleasure, uh, we've got Kevin Minto. Uh, everyone knows Kevin, fan favorite, because they get to watch Anthony make fun of him live all the time. And then he becomes the martyr that everyone loves. It's, I'm not jealous. It's okay. We have Emily with us again. Emily, what is this? Episode number four for you? Three? Four? I think so. I think four. That's, that's big. That's, yeah. It's like the months are just rolling by. It's terrific. Yeah. This is amazing. And we have our esteemed and wonderful guest with us. We're really excited to bring to everyone uh, Miranda McLeaf, who is a field person extraordinaire. And uh, I just used that word earlier before we went live too. Apparently that's my word for the night. And uh, also uh, a, just a role model and a person who has many talents and many interests. And we're going to talk about all those today. So Miranda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's fun to be on. Right? It's the real deal. We're really doing it. This is the real deal. Yeah. Uh, and Miranda, I, this might be the first time I've ever actually talked to you versus like yeah. email or whatnot. I think so. So, so nice <laughs> to e-meet you. Yes, you too. It's messed up, Kevin. You could do better. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean? I've, let, right. I've let everybody Kevin, down, you know. Everybody hates me because I mess with Kevin so much. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> it makes it too easy. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. You're wearing a hoodie that has your design on it. Can we see that? Yeah. So. Can we start um, with that? Yep. Uh, this is one of the ones that I designed for the Turtle Room um, bonfire sales, and I had a lot of fun making that one. Yeah, it's beautiful. It really captures the, so it's it, for anyone who's listening to this later on the audio only version, it's a wood turtle and it's got kind of like the woodland and the stream uh, kind of pictures, I don't know, the composition behind it that kind of, and then the wood turtle is large and in charge right in, right in the, the front, the foreground of the, of the design. It's pretty great. And, and Steve just reminded me, it's one of our best selling designs ever. So kudos to you. That's awesome. Yeah. Did so, you paint so, that? Sorry. Go ahead. No, oh, Brandon, um, did you paint that? It's uh it's digital art. Um, oh, okay. I do a lot of that nowadays because it's easier to clean up <laughs> to just yeah. do it um, on a Photoshop and with the drawing tablet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Really but cool. I'm not sure if it's super clear, especially from this, um, from just a small visual of it, but the, the shape of the actual habitat is Pennsylvania. So <laughs> it's kind of hidden and I did that on purpose, but. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Subtlety. That yeah, I don't think I knew that. Keeps you, you know, keeps you coming back for more. Like like a good show when you watch it like five times and you see, or movie and you see something different. I'm proud of that because I That's don't cool. know if I could do that again with another piece, make it that like in depth. <laughs> yeah. And the and the Turtle Room logo yes, is hidden in That's it in well. a rock. Where is that? Um, in a rock. Like, I believe you know, right above the foreland. Kind of where it, little yeah. would be. That's cool. Yeah. That's like a cool mm -hmm. turtle shaped shadow. 
That's really cool. Yeah, so, so you do this artwork, which which is really cool. And I think there's a lot of people kind of in the reptile space that that do artwork as well. I don't know, like as a kid, I was always that person, like I'm drawing and I'm like, I'm making the sound of the dinosaur as I'm drawing it and I'm really like into it. And like, I always wanted to draw those things that I was really into, you know? Yeah. So like, is is that just kind of something that's always been with you and and that yeah. you, you know, continue to do now into adulthood? I think so. Yeah. Um, I did start to draw pretty early, but um, it was always animals, pretty much always animals. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I've only seen your work for turtles. Are you, are you working on other types of animals as well? Um, I have started up um, a couple, I guess it was mostly 2019 when I sat down over the winter and just cranked out a whole bunch of um more or less little clip art, clip art animals uh, for the wildlife center where I volunteer. <laughs> okay, tell so, us about that. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask about the wildlife center too, so that's a good segue. Tell, tell us like, about that and, and what that brings, you know, what, what that looks like for you. Yeah, a lot of my things do end up cycling back around because everything's very connected um, <laughs> in my space. But um, so I... Uh, Back in 2017, um, I I'm kind of new to the um, the place that I live, and I realized that there's um, wildlife rehab in Virginia, like everywhere, and I didn't know that from Pennsylvania. So um, I there was a box turtle that got kind of um, hit <laughs> on the property that I live on. And I brought it to them because I looked up, okay, there's a place that takes the box turtles that get hit by cars or hit by um, machinery. And I went there and they took them in. Um, I don't know if that one made it, but I've taken other ones, but um, I then decided I'd volunteer there. <laughs> and sure enough, I'm still there. That was, yeah, that was 2017, so. Um, I mostly stay in the turtle room. <laughs> Tell everyone, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to be in here. So if you're looking for me. <laughs> they, the rescue has a whole room dedicated to turtles? I think it's called the reptile room, but most of the animals in there are turtles. So, and they're mostly box turtles. So <laughs> it's just. That's what I like to hear. It's just Take funny because it we refer to that room. Where the turtles are. <laughs> That's really cool. Mm -hmm. awesome. uh, and so also, I think you, you've, and this is where you have this kind of really unique and multifaceted kind of animal life. You have, you, you told us before we, we came on live, you have uh, some puppies in the room with you that we might hear like yelping in the background. Mm -hmm. Like that's one part mm -hmm. you, you, you know, are a field person, which do you have a, do you have a master's degree? I do. Mm -hmm. Miranda, I knew that, right. What's the, what's the degree in? Um, it's technically it's ecology and, um, okay. biology, but I would have just said biology. So I'm happy. I asked. Yeah. Uh, I thought I knew that in my, yeah, somewhere in my, brain. yeah, I don't remember what it officially says, but when people ask, I, pretty much studied uh, spotted turtle habitat. 
<laughs> That's the coolest. So, so whatever you want to call it, spotted turtles. I have a master's degree in I spotted mean, turtle habitat. That was that was my thesis. So I'm I like, can't think of a cooler. But I did. That's so cool, right? Yeah, amazing. Uh, and then also you you have this job with with the state in Virginia mm -hmm. where you're you're an inspector and you're kind of overseeing plants and beekeeping and like mm -hmm. I think you said something about logs or something like that. That does that have to do with like spotter lantern flies or something like oh, that? Oh it does. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I'm gonna get into all of this stuff. So I didn't mean to go in any direction at all. I just that's kind of like we're we're eight minutes in here. I just want to give mm -hmm. kind of like the overview of where we're going. So now mm -hmm. everybody who's who's viewing kind of knows where we're going with that. And I think it's so cool. You have so many cool things going on. So uh, let's start. Where were we first? We were with uh, the rescue, and then we started to talk about um, your experience, your 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 master's degree. And I I want to spend the bulk of our time, if you don't mind, talking about field work because I, I our yeah. our viewership is mostly not primarily not not only I should say, not exclusively, but but mostly hobbyists who keep turtles and enjoy keeping turtles that sort of thing and, and other mm -hmm. reptiles and stuff like that but you're you're out there doing i think what a lot of people dream of doing which is having the opportunity to go out and really spend time in the habitat with these amazing animals that mm -hmm. some people would dream to see in the in the wild so what is that like for you uh and 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 what what about it is so special to you yeah um i think just from an early age, like <laughs> I would go down, um, I lived in front of an orchard um, and there was a, a pond that I was always pretty much wandering to and there were painted turtles. <laughs> so um, I started out like as probably a high schooler, just <laughs> walking myself down to this, this uh, pond in the middle of an orchard and uh, looking for um, the painted turtles. And I would see if I could catch them, see if I could, you know, not take any data really, but ob observe them. And uh, that was pretty fun. So I think, yeah, I've always just been like wandering around looking for reptiles and amphibians. Um, but then in college, I, um, really figured out that, hey, I want to be um, wildlife conservationist. And um, then I went uh, and found a professor that wanted to do turtle research. So he was looking for research students. So I um, went and actually, I guess first I did um, a semester of field herpetology um, in June of one year. And I got to stay at a field station and then I never wanted to leave the field station. <laughs> but um, I did a lot of little projects with that. So I did um, surveying um, a river for just whatever turtles that we came across. So I guess I should mention that was Juniata College. I'll give them a shout out. Yeah, so that's a small little liberal arts school in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and um, I worked with Roy Nagel, so I'm not sure if um, any field people are out there that the name should hopefully be familiar for some map turtles, uh, wood turtles, 
all of those uh, landings. I think he's worked on a lot of projects. So I just know cool. the, the river turtles that we worked with. Um, but just, you know, dabbled in it. And then um, I joined him for a couple of semesters of um, tracking with radio telemetry uh, box turtles. Cool. So, it's um, it's amazing awesome. how you had that interest early on and then just kind of by chance he was looking for some mm -hmm. some students to help with the research. That's so cool. It's kind yeah, of like yeah. in my opinion, it's the American dream, really. Yeah. And a lot of people I'm sure who are tuning in as well. Yeah, it was great because I didn't realize that that opportunity was there when I started there. But then I went to the field station and I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm never I'm never leaving this field station while I'm studying here. <laughs> but um yeah, so uh I think I was the first year of that project actually and it might have been I it was hard to keep up with um to find out, but they were definitely still doing that uh, many years after. So I've been out a while. <laughs> yeah, so um, what we did was it was like an overwintering study of ecology. So um, the box turtles would choose a location and then uh, we put a little temperature probe. And then, of course, there was a component of tracking them to see where they would move within their uh, range. But also the temperature probe would read um, how cool they are in their environment. And um, also we, when we went out to check on the turtles, we would take their depth. So we'd know how far into the leaf litter. And um, yeah, that was a pretty cool project. <laughs> I don't really think about it very much, but it's definitely ingrained in my head. <laughs> I remember that project, but I don't recall the specifics. Do you, do you remember about how far down the turtles were going and about what the temperature was where they were? I was curious of that too, yeah. I because I, 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 I fascinate I'm fascinated with that in my own collection. I feel like there are animals. Mm -hmm. I think they get a lot colder than people realize, and I think yes. that they don't go as far down. Like people say, oh well, the frost line is four feet down, so they're going at least four feet down. They're not going four feet down, no. right? They're nope. not going below where the frost line is. Yeah, so there I is can... some sort of anti-freeze capability to some degree for those species that are down there. It's like the ground is freezing where they are. Yes. Um, that was definitely a big thing. They're um, they're very tolerant and they're barely under. Some of them, their shells would stick up above ground a little. So there's that. And then there's also um, snow. It insulates. So they were doing really well. Right. right. <laughs> so it was impressive. And then some of them would choose like, like on a larger scale, they'd choose an area that I'd be like, wait, wouldn't that flood? <laughs> Like that was down in a little gully area and I don't know, but then some of them chose to chose a ridge line. So it was kind of all over the place. Really interesting. Yeah. But they often like to make us crawl under briar bushes and things like that. <laughs> it makes sense. That's where they, that's where they hide. <laughs> Do, um, do you find now? I don't mean to go away from the field work. I want to stay there, but I just have a I just have an aside, a tangent question that I think I've asked to 
guests in the past, but you're such a wonderful person to ask this question because you do rehab with box turtles. And then you also talk about this research where you're looking at the hibernacula. So I've seen a lot of people in rescue, and this is nothing against anyone, I think, but I do think that the, the sometimes assumption is that a box turtle who has an injury now, if they're actively sick, that's different, but like, you know, the box turtle with three legs or something like that or, or whatever. And is like, they don't have to hibernate. They don't have to cool. So we can just leave them warm and keep them inside the nature room or whatever, and not give them the, and not put them through that hardship. Now mm -hmm. I'm of the belief and you don't have to agree with me. I'd be, I'd be totally fine if you disagree with me, but I think that the cool down is part of their natural biology and something that helps aids in their health and their longevity. I mean, I wish I could take a nap for five months, six months, but, mm -hmm. but would you agree with somebody who does a lot of rehab and maybe sees some of these animals stay warm year round versus the animals in the wild that are cooling off as a natural, a really important part of their natural biology? Yeah. Um, I think honestly, this, this kind of topic just came up for me, um, because I go in and, um, I, I take the vet's recommendations and everything, and I just take care of the animals that are there. So, um, I, I noticed that some of them do seem like they, they, like you can kind of read the animal. They know that it's a little different. And by that point, um, since we have in Virginia, we have um, a hard uh, release date of May 1st and animals that go into care anytime up until October 1st and they aren't healed by that date or any animal that comes in after that, they, um, they don't get released until May 1st. So that leaves a lot of animals that are just hanging out over winter. And so based on space wise and getting everyone in a room that's warm, they are kept that way right now. Um, sometimes some turtles go in another room or something if there's too much, um, not enough space or something. Um, but those like, they, they are okay fluctuating. So there's some chillier rooms and they're fine. So it kind of comes down to space, but yeah, I would like, I mean, it's easier for if you're feeling okay to just kind of be dormant, but it's part of their, um, I guess, recovery plan at the, at the wildlife center that it's just, everybody can be warm. Everyone gets fed, everyone gets vet checks. Um, but yeah, it does depend. Like some of the animals are okay. It's an interesting one. Yeah and, yeah. and I see, and it's kind of a polarizing one too. And that's why I bring it up. Well, and, so. and one year I know we tried it. Like I remember, cause I was very interested to like, you know, more or less observe and study them because we did put them in totes in the um, cooler room that we measured the temperature in that room. And we watched to see if turtles would go up and down in the dirt. Um, so that was exactly, I remember that year because I was like, wow, I studied this like in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, How amazing is that? That's really cool. Yeah. What a, what a resource for you to be there. I know. Volunteering, right? Yeah. Volunteering. Yeah. It was really cool. 
but I don't crazy. remember I don't remember the reason why we didn't do it anymore. But mm -hmm. I know like we had some mold problems and that kind of stuff. So maybe it was it was like questionable on some of them if they were really feeling it. <laughs> Yeah. Because I mean every all the turtles get hit at different times or they get sick at different times. So and, and I think it's a continuum, like like a spectrum, right? Like yeah. so you have a certain amount of animals that would probably benefit from the cooldown, and then yeah. you have animals that maybe if you are on my side of things and like, oh, just cool them all, then there's gonna be some that don't make it. And that's a really obviously a sad thing and something that you're not trying to to have, you know, have yeah. Happen, so. Yeah. So it's yeah, just, it was a, yeah. Miranda, so, did you, so, sorry, if I can ask a question, sorry. Yeah, uh, did you find, or do you find that uh, if you're, like when they're roommating out in the wild and you're finding them, do they, you, do they tend to have ear abscesses? Um, I Is that fairly mean, common? So it's funny because it's not funny, but <laughs> it's um interesting how in this area, at least, the ear abscesses have picked up, but we're not sure if it's because more people are aware of them happening or if they are, in fact, being more uh, prevalent. So, sure, I don't know, but I know it's definitely occurring more in rehab. Okay. Sure. Yeah, we would. I we have a small collection. Anthony and I do, and I know mm -hmm. when I was keeping them for a few years every spring they'd come out at least three of them would have ear abscesses like without yeah. fail so so that's, oh, that's yeah that's an interesting way to to think about that because we as a rehabber could learn more from people who keep these species because yeah it's it's weird how the worlds don't ever interact <laughs> mm. i feel like anyway yeah you're Even not wrong yeah. It just feels uh, different. Like, uh, well, for example, like a lot of the people that I rehab with, they they think it's really cool that I go out in the field and I like see these animals wild. But they took their whole the people that have worked there are just they started out rehabbing and like volunteering with rehab and never really doing field studies is what I from what I understand. So we're like very different. And I learned from them a lot. So um, I never thought I'd be rehabbing, honestly. I didn't know it was a real thing. <laughs> You're an interesting one. And I mentioned this already, but like I take pride in like I like to write about turtles. I used to make videos. I obviously breed turtles. And I've, I've gone out in the field. I'll leave it at that. But I'm nothing like you are and like, you know. Steve and and we have we have Greg in the chat right now like like people who really do the hard work out in the field I'm like the annoying person who goes out and like talks the whole time and like I'm not finding any animals because I'm just like too busy talking mm -hmm. uh, that's that's an interesting uh challenge for me for sure but but you are like the epitome of that and uh somebody who like if if I was the type of person to force my daughters to like be into what I am, I'd be oh. pushing them right towards Miranda. Like you do everything. You even you even breed animals in in captivity as well, right? You bred Russian tortoises. I'm, I'm remembering that correctly, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I doubt crazy. It. I will say I'm not an expert on that. I just I kept the species for such a long time, and I'm like, this these animals are getting ripped from the wild and. 
if I could produce a couple babies to offset that, I'd feel a little better. Totally. Yeah. I, like that's a big accomplishment. Think of how many people keep Russians and how many people breed Russian mm -hmm. tortoises. It's, it's, it's really crazy. I knew, I knew that, um, that Matt was going to go crazy in the chat because he's a big Russian tortoise fan. <laughs> but like that's, you are literally doing all three facets because you're right. The rescue <laughs> folks don't understand the keepers yeah. necessarily. And the keepers don't understand like, like there's, there's all of these silos. We're all mm -hmm. like animal people, but there's, there really are these silos with all of this stuff. So you're one of those really unique, rare examples of somebody who truly does it all within within our our world i'd i'd say it is really hard not to get too involved in one area <laughs> because yeah. i really enjoy i would say my favorite is the field because i get to see those animals in their natural element they're happy wild and i get to observe them put them back and see them again later so um, i like that the best um but yeah understanding all three has really helped me and i enjoy awesome. all of them um, miranda i can't tell you how excited i am to get to go out in the field with you guys uh yeah. in the coming weeks my first time ever doing it so i'm pretty i mean i've done it by myself but not officially you know so yeah. um, i'm looking forward to that i yeah. think anthony's coming yeah i am and i'm looking awesome. forward i can't tell you how excited i am to talk to kevin in the car and then talk to you when we get there and then maybe see People catch turtles too because I yes. just want to show up to talk. That's maybe why I have a podcast. Okay, a couple of them. Anyway, uh, I didn't get an invite, but uh, so I will me. be showing up as well. <laughs> Do you want to come? Yeah, you should come. You need. Yeah, let's. We'll talk off air. Let's not. Okay. It's not. It's not. It, this one is is not a is definitely not a free for all. And Andy's going to want to kill us, but we'll mm -hmm. we'll just we'll just talk to him about it. It'll be yeah, good. no shame. I'll invite myself. So. That sounds exciting. <laughs> I like an opportunity to hang out with you makes me really happy. So yeah. we'll try to make that happen. Okay. So anyway, Miranda said it's okay. So the key, it's like when you when you ask your mom for permission in front of your in, in front of your friend, like yeah. can yeah. so and so come over for dinner? And now well, Miranda has to say yes because there's people I mean, on the spot. I always the viewers are here too. So <laughs> she said I always feel me. She passed the buck. Oh, Andy's gonna be so mad. It's okay. Let's do this. That's funny. <laughs> it's okay. We'll be okay. So your role for the Turtle Room is assistant director of field programs. Uh, and that's because you're as you said. I mean, you didn't say the word obsessed, but you're probably obsessed with with field work. Yeah, I look forward to it all the time. And you, even though you have so many other things going on, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the field programs are really important to you. What is it about being out in the field? And like, because it's hard work. Like, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go out with you guys again, and I haven't like walked a stream in <laughs> I don't know six or seven years now, which is crazy because I feel like it was just a couple of years ago. But like, yeah. it is grueling work. I'm probably going to break my ankle. It's probably going to be like, you know, stragglers left behind and you'll never see Anthony again. You guys are going to have to leave me. It's actually really hard work that you have to like be kind of athletic. And, and mm -hmm. it, it's, it's the kind of thing I'd love to bring my daughters to, but I think they'd just be miserable the whole time and not understand why would anybody do this, daddy? Like I could see them <laughs> saying that to me. 
And and I guess the, I can ask you the same question, Miranda. Why would anybody do this? Uh, well, I think <laughs> even when I started out at the beginning, I was a straggler, but part because I was fighting the current and part because I just look so much for the turtles that I forget that I don't want to trip over this rock. I don't want to trip over this log. That's a very deep hole. <laughs> yeah, like those are the ones that get you. And the, yeah. the rocks are all a certain level, and then you step in a spot where there's no rock, and you go, whoop. So, how uh, how I, deep is it on average where you're waiting? Oh, it depends on the stream, too. <laughs> yeah. But um, there have been places where your boot is barely um, under the water because, the I mean, even each site changes as you go up the stream or um, mm -hmm. just seasonally. So some years we have uh, no no rain, and then <laughs> some years it's like a flood right before we get there. Um, gotcha. But yeah, sometimes it's just right at your feet. Um, and then sometimes it's like, oh, if I go any further, um, I'm definitely going to get water down my waders. So gotcha. okay. it just varies a lot and everywhere. <laughs> Like every stream, I think has both. So, do you and, recommend waders over like shorts? That was my question. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's often, you know, it's really hit or miss anymore. But um, it's often really, really cold. It's been snowing, and then okay. um, sunny in the same survey. Okay, gotcha. it was actually March, so we're coming up on that kind of yeah. survey here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think we're doing uh, late April or mid April. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully it's. Steve oh. said the snowy one last year was mid April. So that's uh, great. No. Don't curse us, Steve. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. Oh, wait. You think March was in the 70s? Yeah, March was in the 70s. And, and, yeah, May and was flooding. Was that was true. That's we really found funny. two turtles. Yeah, that's fine. All right. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm with her. Would there be any use for like a snorkel mask at all or no? <laughs> uh, it's just so cold. Yeah. I mean, if you were really gutsy, I mean, you could. I gotcha. In the deep pools, but I feel like for the most part, cold. there wouldn't be a lot of that. It's not worth it. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. It's really but, I mean, I would like to see someone do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be a tribute. There's a couple. Uh, of I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Might not be Is worth it. What's the Hunger Games? I volunteer as tribute. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I you could remember. go down there and then like the turtle. Watch yourself. You might be about to get canceled. <laughs> Why? We can't say Hunger Games things? <laughs> no, you had your hand up. You know, no. Yeah, you're making some obscure hand gestures. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're only obscure because I'm ignorant. That's it's. I wasn't. I didn't mean to. I, I, I look like Mario today for, too. I guess you really think I look like Mario. Yeah. I don't know. Just something off tonight. <laughs> what is it? Is it my Nexus working group shirt with my pocket and <laughs> no. my cell phone? I don't, I don't think so. With your pixel. Jealous. 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 Pixel 7, great for taking photos. Yeah, it's a good phone. Just saying. Nobody buys yeah. it, though. It's weird. Like, no one buys it. 
it's yeah, everyone it takes just has the most iPhones. Incredible. Yeah, and everyone yeah. like looks at my photos and like, oh my gosh, you're really yeah. good. At so listen, for context, this is what I do professionally: is I, I manage cell phone stores, and on average, this is not turtle related at all, but on average, if if I sell 150 phones a month, a hundred and 120 of those are iPhones, 25 are like Samsungs, and then the other five are like randoms and like one pixel. That's it's crazy. wild because it's like one of the best phones we have. Isn't that interesting? Hmm? I mean, Steve had me join the pixel party, so. Oh, nice. Not... See? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The pixels are great. Pictures that are good. <laughs> Yeah, and it's they just... take great photos of turtles. I'm telling you, we're gonna like we should honestly they should be a sponsor of ours at this point now. But like, <laughs> yeah, they take good turtle photos. Oh, I got a I got a Google connection. I'll pass along the info. <laughs> not to that. like not to jump around, but um, please. So my very last fall survey at a not affiliated with the turtle room, but another field study that I work on with um some other people um you can mention it it's okay this is <laughs> well if, if oh, it involves okay. turtles so jordan gray so yeah, he's been on here and before. jordan jordan was instrumental in helping us start you know the, yes, the turtle yes. program for but the anyway. turtle room and yeah we love jordan so please well, no so, no one's off limits and he wouldn't be my he's a ham so actually i mean so it's his survey but we were out there without him and it's the very end of the segment and everything and i looked down um, the rest of the groups up ahead and they found a little juvenile and I was excited about that, but I looked down on the bank <laughs> and there sat a hatchling. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was like my, well, of that day, that was my last turtle of the day, but I think the following day I found more anyway. So it didn't count for my last turtle of 2022, but anyway, to segue that back to so the, cool. Google Pixel, it takes great photos of turtles that are slightly underwater. And it captures <laughs> like the turtle in depth, but then the water just looks like it's floating in air. It's really cool. <laughs> I just took so That's many awesome. pictures of this little hatchling swimming, but it was sort of floating. <laughs> oh, do really you put the phone like halfway in the water? No, I I had it above the water, but focused okay. on the turtle, and it just gotcha. it looked like I photoshopped it, but I didn't. Okay, that's so that cool. clear and perfect. That's so, so cool. Google Pixel. And I I want to make an I want to go on another tangent aside. Now you mentioned how excited you were about a hatchling wood turtle. We've talked about this too. Like mm -hmm. like research is totally devoid of hatchling data for wood turtles, box turtles, so many species of these popular mm -hmm. species that you can go out and find them. I mean, maybe that a lot of people don't go out and find, like when you, when you see painted turtles and mm -hmm. stuff, you see hatchlings all the time because yeah. they're baskers, they're sun worshipers, but these species that are almost like fossorial mm -hmm. as, as hatchlings, like you, as a researcher, you don't find them. So Kevin told us how often he sells pixels in, in a group of 150 phone sales yes. in, in 150 turtle finds for wood turtles mm -hmm. or box turtles, how many neonates are you finding, Miranda? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. This is a it's a little bit of a skewed question because are we talking in the same stream? Because I've now found two different ones, two different streams. Nice. 
Awesome. I think I've only ever found, oh, I found a dead one at a different stream. So three streams, Sorry. three different um, hatchling neonate turtles. <laughs> oh, Steve, Steve in the in the private oh, chat there we go. says, "Yeah, he, they've only found two hatchlings in the hundred plus wow. animals that they found at that one site." So I think, like, you don't realize you would think that they're everywhere because you know one clutch contains all these hatchlings, but the second they hatch out, they go right into hiding, and you're not finding them, which is always so interesting. Uh, you know, the first thing someone will tell you, like, mm -hmm. "I got this hatchling box turtle. How do I keep it?" Well. Actually, I was at Hamburg and I, mm. I picked up a, a Florida box turtle. <clears throat> excuse me for for our um, for our group here, and just because like the price was right and it was a pretty one, and I'm like whatever. And the guy was like, "Okay, well, he, let me tell you about this. So here's what you need." And he's telling me the whole thing. And of course, the first thing, the number one thing is you, these guys need really good UVB light. Like they they really need the light. And I and I was like, "Okay, great." Mm -hmm. And I. I disagree. I, I think that bright direct light will scare the living yes. heck out of a little turtle. Like I can't can you imagine being a little wood turtle and being in bright light. Like uh -huh. it's it's gonna live its life in some muck somewhere where there's yes. like invertebrates and, and humidity and everything else. But I mean I've I've spoken about this before, but I just i I thought that it was really interesting and that's something that happened recently that that kind of went and, right along with that. And you saying that it even makes it even weirder that the last one that I was referring to of 2022, that was that little hatchling, it was taking a quick bask. I'm pretty sure it was out in the sun for a second. And then like there was a lot of cloud cover that day. So I'm like, okay, why are you out here? It doesn't make sense, but it just, yeah, it's so bizarre to have, I don't know. It's like I should play the lottery, probably. <laughs> it doesn't make any That's sense. Awesome. It just logically you have, doesn't. You have really good eyesight too. I, that probably helps. I don't. Yeah, I think it's like a search image, but at the same time, <laughs> some days my brain says look for a smaller turtle, and some days it's like, all right, just the big ones. I don't. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's so interesting. Do you ever find yeah. yourself thinking? how often do you just walk right over one and it's yes. and you don't see it or like yeah. i would find my like if there was a superpower where like in my brain mm -hmm. every wood turtle was like hot pink when i look for them or something like yes just in my, if my eyes could do that like like the predator or something like i would just see yeah yeah i'm gonna sound a little dorky here but um i think sometimes when i go out in the field i have already convinced myself that i'm going to find turtles i have like a moment in the car like on the drive there where i'm like yeah it's gonna be a good day i'm gonna find them and then i get out there and there'll be like a spot and i'm like this is probably a spot and i just like vibe with it i don't know i have like another sense that just means that since i want it that bad i don't know it just sort of happens and one it's time so cool. i one time i was going along it was the end of the day end of a survey and i was going along um the group is up ahead again that happens a lot i think and um, i'm feeling my hands along the bank and there's like a depression underneath uh, a log that's been there a while and um and 
so I stuck my hand in because I'm like, oh, this looks like a really good spot to just hunker down right now. And there's like leaves and everything. I, I had no eyes on this. I just put my hand in it and I was feeling around and I felt the edge of a shell and I'm like, okay, there's a turtle in here. Um, and then I glimpsed the corner of it and I'm like, okay, it's really here. Like, I'm not crazy. I just put my hand in some leaves and pulled out and I held it up and it was like a two or three year old. I don't remember. I think it was only two because it still had speckling on the plastron. So I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I really just reached my hand into some leaves and pulled out a turtle. It's awesome. So cool. Just, you manifested it. That was my favorite. Yeah. I was like, I I don't know how that happened. So I'm the exact opposite with uh, finding wood turtles. Uh, my local spot that where I know they live, mm -hmm. I've gone 20 times like looking for them. No. And never find them ever. No. The times where I'm just there like on a hike with my family, they're just like mm -hmm. in the field in front of me. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I hate huh. this. But it's still great to see them, you know? So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys do and like actually like the tactics you guys do. So maybe I can try that in my place locally to take some maybe, photos. Maybe you're just hyper-focused and it's not helping you. Maybe you just need to let it. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Like, uh, I guess. Because no I don't know. The turtles definitely don't always do what you think. Like, yeah. they, like oh, today they're all in the water? Nope. Okay they're all over the place <laughs> yeah so interesting i think some days we go out there and it's like capturing a moment of like they're moving back and forth from the water to the land it's like yeah. it's an interesting accidental snapshot of their movement and you know you can't look at the big picture because unless we put uh, transmitters on all of them we don't know how many times they decide hey i'm going to the water today okay i'm on land again because the yeah. weather's weird <laughs> I, i've looked for them on transmitter before have you before miranda sorry yeah. have you looked for them on transmitter before oh yeah. yeah um so wood turtles i've shadowed a couple projects um and then one time i experimented a little bit with um for actually i was undergrad with my professor so cool Wood turtles, yes, but not my projects. But um, they're they're probably pretty similar to the spotteds. They didn't. What's so interesting way. about that for anyone who hasn't done it is is it's like your now you know where the animal is, the specific animal, and you can track it right to a spot. And then even though you know you're standing right over it, look for another half hour because where the heck is this thing? It's like it's dug in in this one spot. And that's where it gets you thinking when you're out and you're not using the transmitters. Like, mm. where the heck are these things? I'm sure I'm stepping on them right now and I mm -hmm. just haven't noticed. It's so interesting. Really interesting. But then another thing, too, and it's not necessarily like that the turtles are um, being... Um, What's the word I'm trying to think of? It's not like they're interacting on purpose. <laughs> um, they're sort of just, there's a really good location and they just all go, hey, this is a great spot. Um, maybe maybe some of the males are there because of females, but not necessarily. So a lot of times you have a transmitter on one and then the rest you're just like, 
oh, this is a great spot. So we're all just hanging out. <laughs> so that's a one way to find more than, I mean, I'm not saying like, go out and do that. But if your research project allows that kind of um, methods, because you can, I think in my spotted turtle paper, um, I think I ended up calling it casual encounters <laughs> of the spotted turtles um, that I saw while I was out tracking other turtles. And that population was not big. So it was very <laughs> needle in a haystack type thing. Sure, I can sure. imagine, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I apologize if this was answered earlier, if Anthony asked this. What type of uh, like formula do you use to determine like a population size? Because just, you know, you never know exactly how many are actually there, you know? Um, well, I actually never looked at that myself, but okay. <laughs> um, I, I mostly look at habitat in most of my, yeah. or um, like ecological aspects. But um, population is fascinating. I just don't know, like there's a lot of um, math involved. <laughs> I gotcha. And I didn't, I didn't get into that too much. I just, I looked at like habitat use a lot and, okay. um, and small behavioral things usually. Okay, awesome. Yeah. But I will say the spotted turtles, um, they had a weird history because they were an isolated population, but the history was I was researching them because um, I uh, my professor kind of suggested it because at one point there was a timber harvest and then um, I think it was 10 years later, um, a, a former student, radio tracked them and so she did two seasons and they were kind of incomplete seasons but it was a lot of data and i was really happy about it and uh, she tracked them and during the summer of each year to find out where they were going in their small little home range because they didn't leave the vernal ponds they didn't go far away from those and then 10 years after her study uh, my professor's like, hey, why don't you track spotted turtles? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and then I took her data and I found the same animals because, and unfortunately they were not reproducing that I could prove, which was terrifying. <laughs> but um, they were all adults, um, popped transmitters on most of the same individuals. And... Um, found a bunch of the old ones. I think there were only two or three that I didn't find. Um, and then there were two that I found for the first time. So where did they come from? <laughs> they were adults, adult males. So um, then I took that data and I compared it to 10 years ago to see um, what parts of the habitat they use because it was a successional forest. So there were some areas right near the ponds that were left um, large, you know, large canopy trees. 
and the areas that were clear cut or select cut were growing back in. So um, it turned, it was really cool. And I, I never published about this. So I'm kind of sad because it's a very useful um, thing to compare 10 years apart with the same turtles. Um, but the, uh, the ones that were older would go further than the younger ones. And I'm almost thinking they didn't really need to use, like they didn't, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't as significant to them as the older ones because they were there before. So they've, they've been there a really long time. Actually, you know, can't age a very old adult, <laughs> but I know they were very old. So, um, interesting. It was like one of those moments when it's just crazy. 10 years apart, you're looking at the same exact turtle and you can track him his whole summer, two different years that are 10 years apart. <laughs> it was just like one of those moments where you're like, how am I able to see this? But like, I need to, you know, I really should have published it. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, Steve in the chat says birds and the bees. Yeah, that's where the older ones are moving. I was going to ask if you were talking about juveniles when you were saying the younger ones weren't moving. Oh. Were those, were, did you mean younger as in not mature yet or younger as in um, younger, They're younger young adults. Adult. They were already adults. Um, but, yeah, they were – so they were adults the first time around because they got transmitters on. But they were age – a bull to some extent. And then the really old ones, absolutely no telling. Mm. <laughs> so um, I guess, yeah, I mean, younger adults. So none of them, and I never found a nest. So I was really mm. upset not finding that. Um, what do but, you enjoy looking for more, uh, spotted turtles or wood turtles? Um. Like Sophie's mm, depends, choice. Depends on the day. <laughs> I love both of the habitats and they're very different. So, yeah. and that comes down to it too. Um, life histories, how they act is interesting. <laughs> so, really cool. um, yeah, I don't know. And then on certain days, I'm like, oh, I'm all about box turtles. That's cool. <laughs> I can I understand. the house and accidentally step on one. I understand as Boxer a, as a keeper, it's not like I'm choosing just one species. So I understand. Yeah. Do, um, can, I, can I just ask a question? Because this, this fascinates me. I've had this in my brain since before we even came on. And so your job as being, I, I want to I just switch gears and talk about your job. So your, your role is to show up and inspect people's stuff. Correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So when so, you're looking um, at plants and, and beekeeping and stuff, you're looking mm -hmm. at private and businesses as well? Um, so so everything's a business that's maybe not the beekeepers. So um if they have like um a business for at least for plants, um that's because they're shipping it. Um so Certain states have different rules, um, but usually it's a, 
like, yeah, for plants specifically, it's like usually because they're going to go out of state, um, but not always. So it's just like if it's a bigger business and especially if they grow uh, trees, then or like shrubs, um, not your your uh, annuals or anything like that. So this fascinates me. So you show up and you are you by yourself? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you find something that's not the way it should be because mm -hmm. you just have always seemed like the nicest, sweetest person to me. And you're showing up to bust somebody basically because they're not doing things by the code. Do you have to then tell people this or do you just like report it later? Um, honestly, I, I've, I'm kind of fresh on this job. If I found something really concerning, I could stop sale them and tell them, please just hold on to this until I figure it out. <laughs> because I don't, what I don't want to come in and be like, no, this is very bad and all that. Because what it, it's like a learning thing for the state too. So I will yeah. send a sample and like get confirmation and not just, I'm not the type to just jump to conclusions, especially right. learning. Um, there are a couple things that are like, yeah, stop sale that because we don't want that going everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and spotted really supplies are not allowed to be shipped out of quarantine areas. And they're really not allowed to go to some states and they're really, really not allowed to go to other countries. So <laughs> there's yeah. that kind of thing that we deal with in this area. Yeah, so and when you're looking was, for them, you're looking for, you're looking at like firewood and stuff like that to see if there's signs of them. What do you look for to know if they're there? Are you just looking for the adult lanternflies or is there some kind of like, uh, like eggs or something like that that you're looking for? Um, no so uh, I, I don't know how many of my coworkers look at firewood specifically, but like in theory, I guess if a company was selling it and they were um, maybe heat treating it or something and it was going all over the place, then it's more of like a storage and like making sure their records say that they're heat treating. Um, so like lumber, we get to um, just read moisture meters that tell us, hey, this has too much water content and they didn't do it right. So um, I've never seen that. So oh, <laughs> if, they, if they heat treat, they heat treat it or, or kiln dry. Mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. Now that's an invasive species. So for all you red ear sliders and haters, I know. There, that's an invasive species. <laughs> Bugs uh, are horrible. We haven't really seen a lot of them in Connecticut, although they are here. And yeah. I went to, I went to a Hamburg show, I guess it was August, and my, mm -hmm. my family came along and like stayed in the hotel while I went to Hamburg by myself, like any self-respecting adult. And they were everywhere. And I was actually, yeah. I was at Burger King, again, like any self-respecting adult. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching as this guy is walking into Burger King and he looks down on the ground and he stomps on this bug. And I was like, you sick bastard. I was so mad. <laughs> I was ready to get out and fight this guy. Like, you're just going to stomp on a bug. It's outside. And I got out and I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was all upset. And then I saw what it was and I'm like, oh my God, the lantern flies. I totally mm -hmm. forgot about them because they're not, they're not as much of an issue in Connecticut. 
that's that's crazy. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why I told you that story. Like, I guess I'm not asking no, a question. I just want everyone, to, to everyone that I know remembers their first. I feel like they remember when they first saw it. And actually, I was at a turtle survey in Pennsylvania. There you go. <laughs> and uh, we were getting dinner afterwards, and they were covering this little maple. And to me, I know the people in the area know about it and everything, but it was a couple of our um in our group the first time we saw a spotted lanternfly and they were quite a few on this little tree so we formed a circle around the tree and um and uh started kicking the tree so if people saw us do that they right. wouldn't understand <laughs> except maybe in that area where they the bugs were already really bad so it was just funny to me of a group of people standing around a tree kicking it. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it interesting? Like like my kids are growing up in a world where these weird Southeast Asian stink bugs are mm -hmm. the norm. And I mean, I grew up catching any bug that I could catch yes. in a jar, right? And observing mm -hmm. it, Light, lightning bugs, which are tougher to come by these days or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and everything else that I could find. And I never saw any stink bugs. So I did some research and was just, you know, Googling some self-research because I'm so smart. And uh, <laughs> and finding out, like, they actually came, you know, in the late, well, I guess in the mid-90s, but then more were seen, like, in the late 90s. That's, like, a mm -hmm. new yes. species that wasn't really here that I think was first seen in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. And now mm -hmm. we have these lantern, these, these lantern flies, bugs, mm -hmm. whatever the heck they're called, spotted yeah. lanterns. And, and like my kids are going to grow up with these things being the norm and the things that they catch mm -hmm. in jars. That's so crazy yeah. to me that that's, that's the, the situation. Yep. That's very true. And it is weird. Cause I mean, even you saying about catching bugs when you were little, um, I bet most people did not catch honeybees out of their yard and put them <laughs> in a container. Okay, I want to know about that. I, I, yeah. this, I can't remember a podcast that has had better natural segues at the right time. So I definitely want to ask about that too, because you do harvest your own honey and have honeybees, yeah. right? I realized so, that I was meant to be a beekeeper as a kid because I would catch them. But um, yeah, so I always kind of wanted to be, um, I wanted to keep bees because it's a science and an art. And um, oh, they're very well interesting insects. <laughs> they'll um, they'll do things that don't make any sense until you're like, well, they could do this one way, or they can be the complete opposite, and somehow they succeeded. <laughs> That's really like cool, whatever they were trying to do, they did it. And you, it's it's funny because people have been keeping bees for thousands of years and still don't understand them. So yeah. um, right now. We're dealing with a mite crisis because I guess back when I was a kid, there weren't mites. And now um, we just have to treat with every method of treating bees <laughs> to uh, fight the mites. So, How do you treat that? Um, there's a couple of different methods. Um, there's oxalic acid, there's formic acid, and then there's like some more passive ways of doing it 
but um, it's usually, so oxalic was a vapor. Um, and then there's some drip treatments and um, some strips that you just put in the hive and you leave them for a little while. So it's, it's putting a pesticide with your bees, but I will say most, most of those do not go with the honey. So it would never be, um, as long as the beekeeper is being responsible, they treat in the late fall and winter. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, um, honey. <laughs> I, what are the signs of the mites? Sorry. What are the signs of the mites? The, si the size of them or? The signs. So how oh. would you look at your, um, your beehive and know that they yeah. have the mites? So um, they kind of tuck there. So it's, um, it's, it's like a tick, but I mean, I guess um, some reptile mites would be very similar, but they tuck themselves like up under like um, the body parts of the bees. So they kind of hang in there and just like a, a hive that has a lot of mites, um, you'll see them on the bees, but sometimes they, um, they'll fall off and, and you'll be able to like tell your mite load by how many drop off the bees too. So um, the bees, so there's um, a couple uh, breeds, I guess you can say, of bees that uh, are hypoallergenic and they um, clean themselves. So they uh, bred that into some of the breeds where they take care of their own mites and they'll clean them off each other. <laughs> but not a lot of, I don't think a lot of the breeds, and I have mutts, so they're Italian and or other things. Your bees are what? mutts. Yes. <laughs> I've never heard of them referred to that. <laughs> so cool. yeah. okay. I think you, most bees are at this point. How do people know. start? Like, how do you just say, like, I, I want to well, buy bees? Yeah. That's really, yeah. Um, or do you just go, like, so, you know, you're just collecting some now? I really recommend that people go find their local beekeepers or, like, get a mentor and or find their local club. So um, we definitely did that route. And honestly, a lot of things can be answered with YouTube. <laughs> but um, and trial and error is a very good method because um, it's recommended to get um, your woodenware, build it, paint it, you know, um, set everything up, get um, either a package or a nucleus, which is a small colony. Um, from a beekeeper that's local to you so that it overwintered mm -hmm. and then you set it up in your hive and um, it's recommended to get two or three just so um, resources can be shared between hives if one hive is struggling. So um, yeah, definitely use your resources around you, like ask questions and um, trial and error. <laughs> so if you had, if you had three hives, like you were saying, and one struggling, do mm -hmm. you intervene in your resources? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if like the bees were like cool with each other. No. So, um, actually the other bees will just rob your weak hive. They'll come in and they'll take all okay. the resources and they'll run back to their hive. Uh -huh. Gosh, they're so the jerks. <laughs> they're not nice. Yeah, they're really <laughs> not nice. They're <laughs> just like us. Yep. <laughs> Soon as the, yeah, someone's struggling, is running and steal their honey, so yeah. to speak. 
Well, um, I watch these videos. I'm always fascinated. Like somebody calls and like to an exterminator to get rid of the bees and they've been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And like this woman comes in and like she, she, she puffs some smoke <laughs> in their area, mm-hmm. you know, and then now the bees are calmer or whatever. And she's like grabbing handfuls of bees and they're all over her and she's moving them. Yeah, it's and then she sees the queen and she takes the queen and puts it in a little container thing <laughs> and then moves it. And now the whole hive, the whole mm-hmm. crew is that is the hive the thing or the group? I don't know. The whole group of bees, a colony, follow the queen. Yeah, the colony. Yeah, mm-hmm. follow the queen to the new spot. Yes, and now they're there, and she's doing this, and she's covered in bees, and she's totally fine and not scared. <laughs> yep, and like I'm not scared of a bee, <laughs> but I'm I've two times I've stepped on like a yellow jacket's nest. I know yellow jackets are not honey bees. Yeah, two times I've stepped on their oh. nest. And got the crap beat out of me. Oh man! <laughs> One of them was when I was doing some turtle work. You know, with some German I don't turtle have, enthusiasts. I don't but. have that experience at all. Like I don't. Yeah, know. that probably helps. Yeah. I don't know if it's just me being extra aware or whatever, but um, yeah. So um, I've definitely gone on swarm um, uh, swarm capturing missions, and it's usually it goes somehow very wrong but the goal is if you do catch you get a hold of that queen and you're like okay you might be shaking them off the tree or something for a lot of tries and they'll just go back to the tree because you didn't get the queen but that one time you get the queen to shake her into the box or you know like scoop up some bees and put them in a box and you have the queen then they all just form a line (laughs) It's really funny. It's, it's like, oh, I did a magic trick. That's <laughs> cool. Like politics. Yeah. <laughs> I did, one time I did um, a video of, I put my phone down and I just let it record um, with a high speed. <laughs> and you watch this mass of bees just <clears throat> a hive. And because I, I, we put the box in the middle of the field because we caught her in the middle of the field. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was really funny to just watch them very, you know, over a period of a couple minutes, just run into this box. <laughs> so cool. Mm-hmm. So you're involved in so many things. I, I guess I just want to I want to follow this up just for, for our anyone who's who has stayed with us now. Well, we can we can move towards wrapping up. And, and obviously the the the. The fans of the show, most of the time, are keepers, like I said. Mm-hmm. So I just want to talk to you about Russian tortoises again. When, yes. when did you first breed Russian tortoises? And what, I guess, kind of, what was that experience like for you in terms of your sense of accomplishment with for somebody who's accomplished so much in their life and as an animal person? Yeah. Um, well, I remember, so I had... Um, I got a bunch of my adult tortoises around the same time. And I think I only downsized with one, Um, but I had a weird ratio anyway, because I didn't know that the one was going to be a male. But anyway, so the adult ones that I bred um, were the two that I had the longest. And um, I, I think they, um, 
I think I put them outside because they're more comfortable there, but um, I just let them interact a couple times. And then I was just like, okay, maybe she'll lay eggs. And then I think the first year she laid duds and I was like, oh, I did something wrong. <laughs> but I didn't know because I just knew my animals and I'm like, wow, she's never laid eggs before. But then after that, I think I had two that didn't really thrive. They hatched, but they didn't thrive. So that was kind of a dead end. And then I believe I upgraded. So um, I I want to say most of this was all from the same breeding because they, I didn't really put them together a lot because I knew the female would just like get stressed out. So I didn't really, and then the, the male that I have, he's kind of dopey. His, his name is Darwin, but he's not the brightest. So, um, so he's actually, I don't know, kind of like laid back in the end. But um, I think I may have just had the two interact a little at little intervals but always when they're outside um and then she just every year like clockwork she would lay eggs mostly in april to june and then sometimes it'd be once a year and sometimes it would also be in august to no, that's not right. Um, September, October, November timeframe. So I was just picking up that if I was going to look for eggs, they would be during those times. Um, my favorite was when she laid five eggs <laughs> and um, four of them were good. And I had four little hatchlings at the same time. And I was like, how did she fit that many eggs Cause she's not that large, <laughs> but um, it's amazing sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was one of those things where I was like, well, um, I didn't do, I didn't know at the beginning of keeping Russian tortoises that they're just all being wild caught. So I felt really bad and I was like, okay, well I've now re definitely replaced what I <laughs> felt guilty about taking. So now these people can just buy a hatchling tortoise that was always in captivity and never wild. So um, I've had, I don't even know how many over the years, but she hasn't laid in the last two years. So I'm, I'm not pushing it just because I don't have a lot of extra time. <laughs> But it was cool that I, the incubating process, I candled along the way and I could see them develop and that was really neat. But um, this is an interesting thought and one that I've, I've, I think that a lot of people have said many times, but I'll, I was just kind of as you were talking about it and kind of reflecting on how cool this is. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of the turtle world, the besides like Fly river turtles where nobody's hatching them mm -hmm. or, but I, I don't even think it's, it's probably like someone hatches Matamatas. So I think 
there'd probably be higher a higher number of those too. So I think what I'm trying to say is the amount of people who keep a species, and I'm just talking about turtles, the amount of people who keep a species versus the amount of people who breed it. Mm -hmm. And I think in my mind, Russians are at the top of that list. They might be the tip tip top of that list. Because even if we talk about like the really difficult to breed species that have a reputation for being difficult, like what comes to mind, Kevin, any thoughts? What comes to mind as a species that people keep that really they really struggle to breed? Well, for you spider tortoises, you had it for like 10 years before you produced any. That's true. But but I mean, like where people keep it and they can't breed it. I think Matamatas and Fly Rivers are at the top of the list. And Matamata and Fly Rivers would be number one because nobody breeds them. I think a lot of it, and it almost might might be very similar in both species because they're both like, you know, river dwelling species, is the like neat necessary like needs of a diapause and there's been case studies where it says like the fly river turtle eggs once they fall into water sometimes they start hatching versus like when they're in you know in yeah. the soil yeah but but i mean not even not even that i guess just like which ones what are seen as like being the toughest because fly rivers are uh, don't count because they're widely kept but they're, the animals that are kept are not captive bred <coughs> they might be captive hatched from some eggs or something and then and then smuggled into the country or whatever over the years because they don't come in legally anymore. But like species that are kept that nobody nobody breeds. So like uh, spiny turtles, spiny hill turtles. That's one. Yosemite spinosa. That's one that like nobody breeds. But I still think percentage wise, more breeders who keep spinosa successfully hatch them than Russian tortoise breeders than Russian tortoise keepers. Right. It, Mark says in the chat, Twistnecks. You're right. They're on that list, but still more people hatch them than Russian tortoise because of how many people keep Russians and how few people breed mm -hmm. them. And I think even I would even put Russians ahead of like Rhino Clemmy's uh, Manai for sure as well. There's another species that a lot of people keep and that nobody can seem to breed. I just find it really interesting. Like it's a big deal. People keep them, and there are people who can breed some other challenging species. And can't breed Russians, you know. Like you said, Kevin, I bred spider tortoises. I have not bred Russian tortoises. So there you go. I've also not bred bred your sliders or sulcatas, but <laughs> successfully. So that it's just it's a really cool thing, and I think uh, you have this kind of. I'm not saying you're like Forrest Gump, but I'm saying this <clears throat> this is this life experience where. You've had, you've been involved in all of this cool stuff that a lot of people would be jealous of or have tried to be involved in, haven't been able to, and you've you've accomplished a lot in all of these different areas, and I think it's really inspiring and it's it's really cool. So anyway, that's that was my props to you for for what you've done with Russian tortoises and everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm having fun, but I'm also yeah everywhere, all over the place. So. Yeah. I'm sure, and I'm sure it's really tough work. I'm sure there's days where you're tired and you've you've committed to too many things, yeah, <laughs> and you still find a way to do what you love, and you still find a way to make art in your free time, like you have any free time. It's yeah, it's really inspiring. I was, I was gonna say, it seems like I had anticipated coming on this podcast and saying, "Oh man, I wish I had more time to do that a lot." Like I thought I'd be saying that and here I am saying that but <laughs> I didn't yet but that is where I'm at with everything yeah. because I yeah. just I don't 
not take on a project and yeah. I don't stop a project. <laughs> right. So well, shows. I, have, I just have ideas, especially with artwork, because I don't have time for it. Yeah. I know. Write down everything so you can always remember when you do mm -hmm. have the time. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Well, thank you so much, Miranda, for coming on. Thank you guys, everyone who tuned in. Thank you, Emily and Kevin. Appreciate you guys so much. And the three of us are going to do a Turtle Room themed road trip and come down to Pennsylvania. And we'll tell Andy that Miranda said that it was okay. This is perfect. <laughs> well, I think Can't more wait. people should get out in the field. But I mean, obviously, you know, this is a sensitive species. But if you could be part of a field project, a lot of people want help. So um, yeah. it's definitely but trustworthy help, right? So you, you have to, yeah. You oh, have yeah. To, you have to earn it. Like it's the same yes. thing. You know, people talk about like, oh, I wish I wish it wasn't all about, you know, money all the time. And, and this animal stuff mm -hmm. wasn't all about, you know, this and that. We should give hatchlings to people. We should give animals to people. We should be allowed to go out in the field. It all takes time. Like if that's what you yes. want and that's what you commit yourself to, and you actually show people that you're trustworthy and that you make the right decisions with the mm -hmm. animal's best interests always in mind, then mm -hmm. you're gonna get into the good graces. That's that's the yeah. most important thing. And and it's good. I, I wouldn't want people who are watching over our spotted turtles and, and wood turtles and bog turtles to not be selective and really mm -hmm. picky and make us prove that we should be. Yeah. Um, prove yeah. that we should we should that we're worthy. And so. it's sad that I just have to be hush hush because I get to see all these cool things. And yeah. if you're not vetted, like don't don't just do it because you should definitely, um, you know, be permitted. Be the state needs to know you're out there for yeah. these species. Like um, they're really cool to see. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. do it the right way, and eventually it'll work yes. out. Yeah. yeah. Great. What a great message to end with. That's it. We're out of here. Yeah. yeah. Everybody Thanks, take care. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs>